Hey everyone, welcome to Hit the Apex podcast. I'm Juwad as always, thank you for joining me. It's the 5th of September, I'm back home now after a lovely nine days away. I think it was nine days. Anyway, <laughs> it felt like a really long time, which was really good. Um, just needed to, to reset and feel felt a bit refreshed coming back and as well. Um, when we recorded last week, uh, as you guys know, it was in Port Lincoln. Very lovely place, beautiful place. And then from there, went on to Broken Hill for a couple of days as well and came home Monday night. So, and Broken Hill again, just a completely different kind of place to Port Lincoln. Very much, you know, outback Australia, that kind of vibe it had, but, you know, still pretty good as well, you know. Both were great for different reasons and everything. So, um, really enjoyed the time there and yeah spending a bit of time away from the big cities and hustle and bustle of everyday life <laughs> yeah so that was that um but we've got a big podcast for you today belgian grand prix italian grand prix on this weekend as well um and starting from the top i guess is the sad and tragic news that came out of belgium over the weekend the um the tragedy that rocked the weekend it was um during the Formula 2 race on the Saturday early on, it was a multi-car crash which sadly claimed the life of um, 22-year-old Antoine Hubert, um, rising star within Formula 2. He was the reigning GP3 champion as well from last year and it just, yeah, um, having a death on a Formula 1 race weekend, it just, you know, it's not something we see anymore as regularly as it used to be um, in the past many years ago but when it does happen it does shake everyone um, to the core and you know not you know none more so than the people that are on the ground at the time whether it's the drivers the teams the media fans as well but you know I think there was sort of ripples across the entire motorsport world over the weekend and certainly over here um, I felt it as well because you know it's something we seldom see but for a driver so young to to perish like that it's um yeah it's very sad but at the same time you know this is this is racing you know it's we know the risks we take as you know you know as drivers spectators as well whoever's there at the track it says on the back of the ticket that motorsport's dangerous um so it's we should not be looking at this and saying oh you know it's it's barbaric it's this and that instead we should be looking um just reflecting on you know how good a driver Hubert was and you know the potential that's been lost now unfortunately you know he was always in his junior career um regarded as the fourth musketeer it's been said a lot um by people with the rise of these new French racing drivers, so along with Charles Leclerc, Pierre Gasly, Esteban Ocon, um, Hubert was the fourth musketeer in that group, having done his go-karting with them when uh, when he was younger, and perhaps not too far off from joining them in Formula 1, so Leclerc and Gasly obviously already on the grid this year, Ocon's going to come back to the grid next year as confirmed last week, and maybe Hubert was another year off um, coming into Formula 1. He's had a pretty good season, you could say, so far to date, before his um, 
before his demise, uh, two wins in Formula 2, so two sprint race wins on the Sunday. Monaco would have been the special one, but not as special as winning on home soil at the French Grand Prix, so winning the race in France, um, having the French flag out and everything as well, it would have been, um, there would have been great images and Hubert, yeah, um, kind of lost for words, so very, very um, sad still when you think about that as well, and you know, we still have um, the other driver in our thoughts, one manual, uh, one manual Correa, who was in hospital for some time, injuries to his leg and to his spine as well, so hopefully his recovery continues to go well and we'll get to see him back racing um, soon, so yeah, you know, Formula 2, we don't see that sort of stuff regularly, which is a good thing, but who knows, you know, it's one of those things where fate sort of the stars align, I hate saying this, but, you know, the number, when the number is up, the number is up, and, you know, some days that those things just, those circumstances just all line up, and, you know, something like this happens, you know, a freak accident, it was the same thing with Jules Bianchi as well, which, you know, still to this day is kind of very much in my mind as well, because, ever since I've started watching Formula One, you know, ever since I've been old enough to watch Formula One with a strong interest, that was the first um, fatality that we had to, we had to go through, you know, and um, he again was so young and so much ahead of him as well, you know, but, you know, we were just shocked by what happened in Japan that weekend and then to learn many months later that um, he would no longer be with us was really, really tough. So, yeah, you know, you kind of now with the with safety and everything being the way it is, you kind of take it for granted in a way, This um, the safety of it. But this is also just a reminder of how, you know, the importance of impermanence, I guess, is the uh, the Japanese phrase I've sort of been tossing up in my head the last week or so, uh, mono no aware, which is kind of another interpretation of memento mori, but, you know, racing drivers, they know the risk they take when they do this, but it's also the fascination that we have with them is that, you know, m- racing drivers, motorcycle racers, is that they have this instinct in them instinct in them that no one else does you know other sportsmen don't footballers are not certainly going to have this same hunger and instinct in them to do what these guys do you know um it was the same when you know marco simoncelli as well in moto gp back in 2011 lost his life too you know and how close he was to a lot of the guys on the grid at the time, and it didn't certainly change them from doing what they were doing, they kept continuing, because it's what they love, you know, and unfortunately, you know, this sometimes can be the consequence for doing this, you know, and yeah, it's, it was really sad, and 
the rest of the weekend. It was great to see the tributes that came through for Hubert as well before the Formula One race on Sunday. Then they ended up cancelling the F2 race for Sunday, which was a great gesture as well. Um, still a lot of damage and everything, but, you know, all the marshals and the trackside officials did a great job, best they could to in the situation. But, um, you know, and pre-race, it was nice to have the minute silence, um, but it would have just been so jarring to, to see Hubert's mother and brother there um, at, at the front of the grid. Um, with the entire paddock basically all the drivers and team people there um, remembering the loss of life which had just happened hours before and you know that's the I guess that's the strange thing about it is that you've had this tragic thing happen and a few hours later these guys are putting it out on the line putting it out on the line to go racing and do what they love but you know they do it with uh, Hubert in mind so you know that's probably all I can say in regards to that but for the race itself Belgian Grand Prix um, I guess it was fate or destiny whatever you want to say that you know it was going to be Charles Leclerc's weekend um, and it's it's kind of sad when you look at Leclerc's history you know his um ever since his you know path started to go to f1 that you know there's been so much loss that he's had to endure you know Jules Bianchi of course was his godfather um, not too much older than him but you know he was a mentor to Leclerc he lost his life 2015 and then um, Leclerc's father as well who passed away a couple of years ago and the mental fortitude strength that Leclerc had to then that same weekend do an F2 race there was a Baku um, which you've met, talked about before and win come out and win in Baku you know how how tough do you have to be to do that especially you know young kid uh, he's just lost his father and comes out and does that and then this weekend it's almost like let's forget about all the problems that Ferrari have had all year, you know, the disappointment of Bahrain for Leclerc, disappointment in Austria as well, last lap, but on pure emotion, he drove a composed and mature drive, he had Lewis Hamilton at the end all over him, but Leclerc just drove the perfect race on the weekend, and it was, it was, I guess, just that he was to win this race you know for his friend Antoine Huber so that was a great result I think and as Leclerc himself said you know it's you know can't really celebrate it even though it's his first win because of what's happened with Hubert but it's going to be the first of many you'd think for Leclerc and he's really just in the second you know middle to second part of the season he's really stepped things up you know you've got to talk about now who is the number one within Ferrari which you know going into this weekend and Monza will be a big big factor as well Seb unfortunately um consigned to being sort of the the rear gunner in Belgium to um uh, to Charles so yeah you know Ferrari basically 
had the better strategy for Leclerc. They pitted Seb too early and it just threw him out of the mix and the tyres went off. So, you know, he was able to make an additional pit stop to try and get back to Valtteri Bottas in third, but had to stay fourth in the end. So, yeah, that was very interesting how that panned out. But Ferrari finally won a race, you know. Ferrari finally won a race. I was kind of on the money, you could say, beforehand, saying that Spa-Monza is going to be the best opportunity with that car that they have with its aero philosophy favouring less downforce for them to win. And it was absolutely spot on because on the straights they were killing the rest of the competition and because Spa's got long straights, Camel straight um, and not a lot of corners, it was basically what was predicted. So got to say that, yeah, that's great. But at the same time, you know, it doesn't really fix their problems um, for the whole season, what's happened. So Monza, again, similar situation, more straights, not a lot of corners. Um, they don't require a lot of downforce, so they'll be strong again, you'd hope. But the whole tyre thing is still a concern around Ferrari. So, you know, Mercedes in the second half of the race, they had the better race pace on the medium tyre. Um, and that's what allowed Hamilton to basically close in on Leclerc, as he did on Verstappen, you could say, in in the race before in Hungary, even though Hamilton was on a two-stop strategy and Verstappen was on a three. So yeah, good for Mercedes to finish two and three. Positions in the championship didn't really change as a result of it, but, you know, Leclerc getting those handy points there and um, for Seb it was you know it's going to be a real test to see where he's at as well after that because you know we don't really see we haven't really seen Ferrari in the last few years put Seb down as the as the number two driver it's he's always been the leader so this year it's not gone the best for him and important to note as well I guess that it's been 12 months since he last won a race so it was Belgium last year that Seb won so it's been more than 12 months now so how is that gonna um, feed Sebastian as well going into the next race so last win for Ferrari before Leclerc um, over the weekend was Kimi Raikkonen in Austin last November so um, even in the latter part of 2018 Seb wasn't really I guess the top dog at Ferrari, he had a lot of competition from Kimi Raikkonen, Monza, who you remember, he, Kimi had the pole, which really, um, which really irked, <laughs> which really irked Seb, so yeah, that's, that's that, but we've got to see what happens this time out in Monza, but I get the feeling there is going to be a shift, or there, if not already, there's been a shift within Ferrari, because Leclerc has been the stronger driver, um, I guess ever since Canada, Canada was kind of like that point in the season where Seb, he put it all on the line, he won the race on the road, but then if, it, if that for that penalty, he got demoted, and it's like since then that Seb has kind of just disappeared in a way, you know, it's, he put it all in there and then got nothing as a result, and he's got nothing left, so we'll just have to see what comes of it though but um monza a great opportunity for them to bounce back so moving it on safety car on the first lap so let's take a look at the race outside the the top three guys so there was a safety car on the first lap as there often is in Mon uh, sorry in spa and it was max verstappen clashing with kimi raikkonen at turn one so a, a silly incident i guess there was no 
stewards inquiry or um, penalties to be dished out, merely a racing incident. Marx was pretty diplomatic about it as well, which is good to see because in the past he's been quite um, heated and um, a bit furious when it comes to that sort of stuff. But he, unfortunately, had to retire from the race with uh, damage on the car whilst Kimi just didn't really recover from that. So he finished in 17th. Um, Lance Stroll, Daniel Ricciardo also involved kind of behind them as well, but Stroll was able to bounce back and finish 10th, um, scoring some handy points, and Racing Point always seems to go really well at this circuit, so Sergio Perez finishing 6th as well during the race, and Stroll to come in and snatch some points at the end with a 10th place finished. And Ricardo, unfortunately for him, he pitted at the end of the first lap after that contact, put on the medium tyres, tried to run to the end of the race on that tyre, on those tyres, having been on them for like, what, 42, 43 laps, but unfortunately just fell away, you know, he was mugged by even the past cars, which had a really, really poor day again, inside the top 10 for qualifying, but then just race pace on those Pirelli tyres, it's just abysmal, so... Ricardo finishing 14th behind Magnussen and Grosjean, who was 12th and 13th. Um, could have, you know, could it have been any worse? I guess, yeah, Haas as a team just ahead of only Williams at the moment. So it just looks really, really terrible for them. And this is the questions, I guess, Nico Hulkenberg, if he is weighing up going to Haas next year or if Haas are looking to get Nico Hulkenberg next year, is that, are they going to able to recover themselves in the position that they are you know so for 2020 important questions to be asked of Haas but Renault as well you know Hulkenberg ended up finishing eighth in the race which was good for him not much really left you know he's pretty much racing for pride in the latter part of this season confirmed that he's not going to be at Renault next year so but for him to get eighth it's handy some points for Renault but the challenge is really on to see if they can um get back up in the Constructors' Championship um, in this latter part of the season. Solid debut for Alex Albon at Red Bull. He was wheel-to-wheel with a few drivers at some point. He was racing from the back of the grid because of uh, power unit penalties, so Honda introduced the Spec 4 power unit over the weekend, and he ended up battling wheel-to-wheel with Pierre Gasly, which I thought was quite ironic as well. But they both did had a great race, did um, Gasly and... Um, Albon, so Gasly finishing ninth in the end, um, some points for him, probably his best race of the season in a Toro Rosso, so maybe, you know, it just goes to show you that he wasn't ready for Red Bull and everything that came with it, but for Albon, solid debut, he finished fifth in the end, and that was kind of courtesy of Lando Norris's unfortunate, unfortunate last lap engine failure that he had, he was all but guaranteed P5 for that race because he made the better start, he was in fifth straight away, safety car came out, and I think he was just in that position because the Haas cars behind were holding everyone up before they fell away, so by then Lando already had made himself a bit of a nice cushion, ahead was the top guys, top four, who is not going to chase down in that McLaren, but yeah, he was guaranteed that season best finish. Um, but unfortunately that last lap engine failure took that away from him, so he at least was classified 11th, but no points for McLaren this time around, Carlos Sainz having a retirement as well, but that pretty much meant that everyone in the uh, in the lower part of the top 10 were able to jump up a place, so Perez up to 6th, Danny Kvyat 
seventh again, solid. And then Hulkenberg, Gasly, and Stroll to round out the points. Um, Stroll kind of got into the points. If it he wouldn't have gotten into the points if it wasn't for Norris and also Antonio Giovinazzi, who he was sitting tenth at the time, but crashed at Puon on the last lap, unfortunately. So thankfully he was okay. You know, every time we see a crash, um, there was a crash over the weekend since the Formula Two race. It was kind of hoping you know the drivers are fine and everything. Everyone's just shaken up by it, so it's understandable. And going back to that, um, going back to the crash. It was very, I thought it was really good of Hamilton to come out and post on social media in regards to his crash that he had on Friday. So he crashed, um, I think, Friday practice. And he remarked how when he was getting out of the car, he could hear fans pointing at the corner where he crashed, pointing and laughing at him, you know, booing and that sort of thing. It's absolutely, that's unnecessary, you know, crash is a serious thing it's not funny or you don't boo someone for crashing you know even when Maldonado used to crash for example it wasn't it wasn't funny like you take it with a grain of salt but or in reflection you can you can laugh you know knowing that everyone is okay but you know at the time when it happens live it's like well you know you've got to you've got to make sure that the driver's okay and everything so yeah you know Hamilton was right to point that out um the other day in regards to in regards to his own crash too because we don't want to see we don't want to see these guys injured and that goes for every sport we don't want to see them injured um intentionally by you know other other forces you know when a player goes and injures another player in a football or rugby or whatever footy same with cricket it was pretty um, pretty harsh to see, you know, uh, Jofra Archer in the second test match, I think it was, against Australia, um, just knock, knock, Steve, uh, knock Steve Smith out, you know, that's not what we want to see, we want to see aggression, but there has to be a line, and then in motorsport, we don't want to see anyone crash, so as entertaining it can be for some people, we just don't want to see anyone crash, so yeah, that's where the line is drawn for me. Um, and in reflection, if it's seen in reflection, you know, it's not live, it's afterwards, and you know that the driver's okay, you know, that's, that's fine, but at the time, driver safety is paramount, making sure they get out of the car, and they're unharmed, so, um, yeah, that's, that's all I have to say in regards to that, Giovinazzi was unharmed, but I guess it doesn't really do his case any good for next year. And now the talk about, you know, potentially Nico Hulkenberg could come replace him at Alfa Romeo. So Hulkenberg obviously was with that team before when they were Sauber back in 2013. So, you know, a uh, Hulkenberg-Raikkonen combination might be might be a good thing. But um, Giovinazzi potentially could be afforded another opportunity for next year. So, yeah, um... I guess a great way to end the weekend with Leclerc's victory. Um, with Leclerc's victory, I think it was a great way to end the weekend. Um, it was the just, you know, it was kind of like serving justice or just the right the right result, you know. And it was, you could tell that it was from the heart, Leclerc being friends with, um, being good friends with Antoine and I guess all the other drivers as well. Um, the other French drivers, Gasly as well, had a good race. And um, Ocon as well would have been um, from the sidelines would have been hoping that there was a good result for his um, compatriot as well. So 
that's that then. That's Spa. Um, moving straight on to Italy this weekend. Monza, back-to-back -back weekends. And, you know, these two races are always a couple of the best on the season because they're a couple of the oldest as well. Monza regarded as the Cathedral of Motorsport and Formula One. And the question we've got to ask ourselves is that, is this Ferrari's best chance to win the Italian Grand Prix since 2010? So Fernando Alonso, the last one to, to win on home soil for Ferrari. We got the confirmation as well yesterday that Monza will stay on the calendar until at least 2024 in a new deal. So that's great. Um, great to see that, you know, we get to have these historic circuits around, such as Silverstone, Monza, Spa, uh, Monaco as well their key but talking about the characteristics and everything so it's high speed low downforce layout which is similar to spa but i guess more so more extreme it's the fastest circuit on the calendar fastest lap not the quite the fastest lap time but it's one of the shortest races you see it just it gone blink of the eye and it's over so and it served ferrari well in spa you know, we saw them getting that straight line advantage over the rest of the competition, but again, it's the race pace that's going to be the question mark. So while Ferrari was great in qualifying last year, qualified 1-2, it was Mercedes in the race who ended up taking over and dominated during the race. So that's going to be really interesting to see how they go in that respect. Um and again, the question has to be asked of Leclerc. Is he the top dog at Ferrari? Seb serving the team at Spa. Um, does Seb need to come out and have a good weekend? Or will Ferrari internally be favouring Leclerc? I'd just say, you know, let them do their thing in qualifying. Hopefully they don't have to do their slipstreaming thing. They should have enough of a straight line advantage to be able to get pole position on merit. You know, we usually see Ferrari when they've had a bit of a power disadvantage over the years or speed disadvantage to try and use the slipstream on the straights you know getting the cars to get into each other's slipstream to try and um, get a better lap time or whatever so hopefully we don't have to see any of that but it's not surprising and that's exactly what happened to Seb last year is that Kimi was able to get into his slipstream and take the advantage so yeah um if that happens to Seb again this year with his teammate, then I'm sure he's not going to be a very happy camper. But um, there you go. It's it's all in Ferrari's court. It might be the only opportunity opportunity that they have for the rest of the season to win a race. Unless they genuinely have made progress over the mid-season break, that they've actually made brought some updates to their car or changed, had a bit of a change in their philosophy and they've changed something on the car to be able to make them go good everywhere you know I guess the litmus test for them won't be till Singapore which is you know a few years ago they were dominant at Singapore because it was Mercedes Achilles heel but now you know it seems that Mercedes have got that all-round car which can um, turn on its tires pretty much everywhere and um, has enough straight line speed to be able to get away from Ferrari, whereas Ferrari you've just got all power, no downforce, and can't really turn on their tyres in um, race trim. So interesting it will be to see how that all pans out between the top two. Red Bull, it's always been a bit of a iffy one for them, Red Bull at Monza. They don't really have the straight line speed to do anything. 
Verstappen will be taking a grid penalty because he'll get that spec four Honda power unit this weekend. So I guess it's the least offensive place to take it because um, it's so easy to overtake and everything. So he'll start from the back of the grid, but I'm sure we'll see Verstappen charge through the field in no time. So best circuit to... Um, best circuit to take grid penalties and if there's going to be grid penalties or for power unit changes you might as well do them now in Monza before um, going to a place like Singapore and Suzuka where it's a bit more difficult to overtake you'd probably think Russia's another opportunity later on down the track to be able to do that but um, yeah you know we haven't really seen anything like that from Mercedes yet for from Ferrari either but we haven't I, you'd, I wouldn't think that Ferrari would want to take grid penalties at this race anyway, given it's their home home race. Um, best circuit, yeah, as I said, to take those penalties, overtaking easier. Hamilton, I guess, has the unique opportunity of uh, becoming the most winningest driver. It, at Monza, he's tied on five wins at the moment with Michael Schumacher. Um, he could win a sixth, and it's just been a Mercedes domination since the um, the hybrid era in 2014. So, all but two races, I think Hamilton's won, but also he's chasing a unique hat trick of wins as well at Monza, which no other driver apart from Fangio did back in 53 to 55, and two of those wins were with Mercedes too. So, Mercedes taking a hat trick of wins with Lewis Hamilton with one driver. Um, on an, on Monza, you know, which is Ferrari's backyard, that's going to be the ultimate, um, you know, finger in their face or whatever, you know, that we're still better than you and Mercedes are better than Ferrari. Simple as that at the moment. The midfield battle should be great as always as well. So, yeah, you know, it's been great to see overall that we've had some consistently good racing across the board since the French Grand Prix, which <laughs> everyone was like, this is the death of Formula One. It's, um, you know, it's going to be not going to get any better before it gets worse. So, um, yeah, since then we've had great races all round. And it's a shame, really, that the championship is not really at stake anymore, um, unless, you know, Ferrari have turned themselves around and can win every race before the end of the season. And Lewis Hamilton has retirements at three or four of the next races, you know, to um, to get that points gap down. It's unlikely anyway, but it's just been a shame that no one's really been able to challenge Mercedes all year, and now we've got Ferrari as race winners, Red Bull still a consistent um, threat. We didn't really get to see what they could do in Spa because of uh, Verstappen's retirement, but Albon really was solid on debut, which was good to see, and I'm sure we'll see him when he gets to qualify in a better position than being hit by a grid penalty, that he will get to bring something to the table as well. So a lot of excitement, I guess, for this last part of the season, um, however many races we've got left, and also just racing in mind with um, with Hubert as well after his uh, tragic accident. So... I guess, yeah, not really much more to, to reflect upon in that sense. Um, great, we've got the IndyCar finale coming up as well. Joseph Newgarden in the championship leader in contention with Alexander Rossi and also Simon Paginow, two Penske drivers um, looking to claim titles. Rossi again in the thick of it, but he's got it all to do, I guess, at the um, 
WeatherTech Raceway, Laguna, Laguna Seca Circuit. I love that circuit on the video games. It's always been a favourite if you grew up playing Gran Turismo or Forza Motorsport, whichever one, take your pick. Um, supercars got a bit of a break until the Auckland Super Sprint in a couple of weeks and then it's enduro season again. So it's just nice to see the sun shining and everything. It's it's spring now, September. But other than that, not much more to not much more to bring up. Um, I just hope that you know everyone is okay. Um, we have a good weekend coming up in Monza. Um, but yeah, just remember with with motorsport, you know, racing is dangerous. Things like these happen, but we can respect the fact and love the fact that Hubert died doing what he loved and um, that's pretty much it you know <laughs> nothing is for granted in a way but anyway all right guys that's it it's a short one this weekend for this week there'll be plenty to talk about next time out after the Italian Grand Prix so um, stay tuned and hope you guys have a good weekend remember we are on Facebook um, Spotify Twitter iTunes, the whole lot. So just look at the links in the description. And yeah, thanks for tuning in and we'll talk to you guys next time.